Does being a Barbell Buddha fan make me a Barbell Buddhist? Listen, for someone with an anti-guru complex like Chris, he sure does know how to freaking deliver a, a mere mortal like myself with the exact lessons that he needs right on time. Because even on his birthday, he's the one giving gifts on this episode. Listen, it's been a while. I wasn't sure where to start, so I figured, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a shower, I'm going to decompress, I'm going to puff on the bag a little bit, and then I'm just going to go hang out with Chris and listen to this show. It took me five minutes. I stopped him. I had to get out the gear, and I knew I had to start the show because he sets me up perfectly in this righteous episode of Barbell Boot and Rediscovered. It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger Staredown. Thanks, Torch. Those are the homies, Torch, who have long, long been supporting the Barbell Shrug podcast and everything we do. Thanks, dudes. That's Healer. I recommend you go out and you start streaming. You know, whatever the he- wherever the hell it is you, you get your music from these days, your kids, <laughs> as if I'm so old. But whatever, wherever you listen to music at, search for them and support them because they've been great to us and they are fucking awesome, man. That new album, uh, Restarter, is righteous. I don't want to like have you be thinking that I'm the kind of guy who uses the word righteous all the time, willy-nilly. That's just not true. I reserve it for truly righteous things, and that album is righteous. Anyway, uh, here we are back again with the Get Changed podcast, and it's been a while. Why has it been a while? Well, man, hey, <laughs> sometimes it's good to shut up for a little while, you know? And I don't really shut up that often, but I thought, you know, I'm tired of talking so much, like, and as if the world needs more of my opinions. I realize that today I, I'm feeling like I guess maybe it does. Uh, and it does, because I've got a cool story to share. But in truth, we've been very busy, very busy, the Barbell Shrug team. Of course, every week we keep pumping out Barbell Shrugged episodes. The last couple of weeks we've had some really kick-ass ones, I think. At least because these have been mentors of mine you've seen. Uh, first week of uh, the last little run has been uh, Jim Wendler, of course, author of 531. An old school powerlifting buddy. And really one of the most influential guys in my life and a lot of people's lives uh, in terms of strength and building character and whatnot. He's top notch. If you haven't read 531, fuck, man. I mean, what are you doing? You appreciate strength on any level? Get your ass out and read that book. It's not like a huge deal to do it. Re- in fact, read lots of books. Read books all the time. Let's not get too far into the weeds today. <laughs> a mentor two. Week two of this little run was Dave Tate. Again, uh, Dave Tate was a guy. 
That's episode 169, I think. Dave Tate was the guy who provided me the first bit of real training information I got outside of bodybuilding magazines and copies of Powerlifting USA. That's what I read all throughout high school, and that's what I used in the early days to sort of figure out how I was going to train myself, you know, and get strong to pick up the chicks and whatnot. Those are the magazines I had and not much else. But uh, Dave Tate's West Side Seminar Series, the old school EliteFTS.com West Side Seminar Series. I think you could probably see some of that on YouTube if you search it. <clears throat> but anyway, these, that was a resource that was so amazing to me. Preceded my exercise science training. Uh, certainly when I got involved in all that in college, it only helped me out. <clears throat> and having Dave Tate on was huge. But um, the upcoming shows are also pretty huge for different reasons. <laughs> but before we get into that, I'll cover it all. <clears throat> Uh, what else do have going on? So that's a barbell shrugged busyness. And also, man, you know what? Uh, with the with the daily barbellshrugged.com daily page, all the articles and everything, I, I guess I've been feeling plenty busy. <laughs> so on the weekends, it's nice to shut up for a little while and just focus. Also, I'd like like to say for people who care, maybe a few of you care. Uh, yeah, I'm packing up. Actually, I'm looking out in my garage right now into my last Memphis gray quasi spring. You know, it's kind of like. It's cold one day, it's too warm the next, it's always raining. Uh, I will be fucking off, as they say, out here soon to join uh, my bros in, in San Diego, so that's going to be awesome. But all this course, all this preparation, all this good stuff, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort, so maybe this podcast has been a bit on the back burner for a while, but not tonight. Nope. Tonight we have <clears throat> a story. And I wasn't going to share the story at first, but the homie CTP said, you know, it'd be pretty cool if you would share that. It happened a few weeks ago. Yes, it involves Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I'll get to all that. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. What did Brooks mean when he said puffing on the bag? <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Well, listen, listen, listen. We've been getting to know each other for a while now, okay? Just like you got to know Chris, I'd like to give you a, just a little bit of who I am. And I hope, I hope to get to relate to you, you know. And, uh, hey, listen, Chris had his tacos. If you're a fan of Chris, you know what I mean. He liked to, you know, have a nice taco by the ocean. And I learned that there are new ways to have tacos, a way of having tacos that I'd never heard of. And it's called a volcano. Okay, and my buddy Dave, my business partner, my, my buddy, he let me borrow his volcano, and I use it. And it's a really great way to have tacos because – you don't have to inhale hot, charred particles into your lungs. Isn't that special? I thought that was special. You get to just get the benefits of the taco. It fills your appetite, while at the same time, you get to have the health benefits all at the same time. And if it's good enough for guys like Paul Check, well, damn it, it's good enough for me. So if you, if you would, I'm just going to engage... Just and, and a little bit of the bag while we're here together on the show. Thank you, Chris. <sighs> yeah, that's nice. All right. Well, he named a couple of things that I'm going to go back through. And, man, it's Chris's birthday, you know. It's the day after Christmas. It's December 26th. That's how I remember. It's always around Christmas. And, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, was, I was thinking about, man, it's been such a long time. Since I've done an episode. It's been since July. What's up? And, you know, I could give you a very long, drawn-out 
explanation about how it just wasn't wasn't the right time and that it wasn't aligned our stories weren't aligned i just needed to take a break until i had something to say or as chris put hit put it in his you know i was just busy man you know and occam's razor and all that the simplest answer is likely to be the best answer it's been a long time because i've just i've just been busy uh been busy with building company uh building coaching company building my relationship with my wife building a life here in richmond and yeah man i was just at a loss for what to say at this part of the story chris also took me uh took took my job and he was like hey you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna let you know where i'm at remind you where we are in the story where we are in the story is he's about to move from memphis to go be with the barbell shrugged boys out in southern california and y'all this is a huge moment in his life. It is the ship setting sail. And uh, it's here he is. He's going to be reflective in this moment. Just, just know that the story he's going to tell today is in reflection of this epic moment, what to him was like a huge step into his future by saying yes to moving his family and by taking a risk in himself and in the guys, and that what is what is fueling this message today. And, you know, just being honest, like, I've had a lot going on in my life that is fueling this episode today, and is fueling my gratitude for Chris today. And I want to spend a little bit of time giving you some clarity on what is fueling my fire here on December 26th, 2022. And that is, uh, man, you know, I've had a crazy couple of months. Um, Very similar to Chris, uh, my father just recently died and passed away quite young at the age of 62. Mark Allen Meadows was his name. And uh, moments like this in your life are very destabilizing. And it forces perspective in an instant on you thing perspective that you couldn't have unless you experience a moment like this is thrust upon you Uh, and I've never had a child but I do have to imagine that uh, in a way the intensity of the moment can be as impactful as having a child although the emotions that are elicited could be very different but my father did pass Uh, he passed in his sleep And he had had a lot of health issues in his life. Like Chris, I struggled with a lot of the angst as a son watching their father struggle and their health and uh, not seem to want to, you know, take the action that we believed could be necessary and would have potentially lengthened their not only duration of life, but quality of life as well. And so there has been the tackling of all the grief and all of the things that you might expect with the loss of a parent. But the things that I'm grateful for are one, the my wife, and two, the people uh, that I chose to be around when I moved here to Richmond, and uh, people that have come into my circle to work with me in the coaching company that we have grown and evolved this year, and that has put me in a position where now I've had an extreme shift of resolve my resolve on this planet of why I'm here and what I intend to do to leave my mark, just like Chris left his mark in his own way, I too am ready to 
take very large steps towards leaving my mark, my legacy, and saying what I am ready to say here on the earth. And my, the passing of my father has surely, surely fueled that experience, accelerated like rocket fuel, uh, because I am my father's legacy. I carry his blood, and I carry his name, and I will do so very, very proudly and uh, continue to honor that. And I'm honoring Chris's legacy today. It's his birthday. Uh, I believe, uh, if I'm doing the math correctly, he would have been 42 years old today. And he has been such an inspiration and a muse in my life. And this is uh, my small gift to him is to continue to tell his story, retell it, and try to give my own context to it, try to give my own sense of meaning to it in a hope that it will help you reflect off of Chris's work for your own life. And uh, that's the only thing that I've ever really hoped to accomplish is to be just another fan that had an experience. It was personal. It still is. And I'm dedicated in seeing this podcast all the way through, even if it takes me forever. Okay, guys and gals, uh, even if it takes me as long as it takes, I'm going to finish this as a part of, uh, again, paying it forward and saying thank you. So I'm going to let Chris continue with his story. You know he's got a good one for us, and I will catch up with you on the other side. Where do we start? I'll start with um, a little bit of backstory. Can, can I set the stage? And the backstory is what it is like to travel with Barbell Shrugged. Very few people know what it's like some might imagine what it's like it looks cool and it is cool cool as shit to be honest with you we get to talk to the greatest athletes that we know of in the sports we really are passionate about we get to speak with amazing coaches and hear all kinds of amazing stories and that part's really awesome and and, and tubular <laughs> and totally rad and bodacious and fuck all that shit uh but the underside of that that people usually don't see is that Man, these trips we go on to film the shows you see are insane sometimes, <laughs> oftentimes, almost all the time, really. That's something actually we're trying to work on because <clears throat> the older we get, the longer in the tooth we get, the harder it is to survive these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just to, to let you know, the typical trip may be like three to four days, right? And like in the case of the Columbus trip we just got back from, in those three to four days, we might, um, man, we might sleep like... 15 hours, 15 total hours maybe. You know, you get up at 6 a.m. to try to go off and lift weights with people like Louis Simmons and you eat breakfast and you try to do uh, things like get all these shows you want to get. In this case, I had 10 shows. Man, <laughs> 10 podcasts that I planned that I thought we could nail. So for those that don't know, I mean, a lot of what I do on the show is like we try to reach out and set up these shows and make them happen because, you know, let me go off on a side rant before we get too into the weeds. <laughs> Everybody says, man, you guys should interview XYZ. It's so awesome. Why have you interviewed that person? Dude, or chick, whatever. <laughs> you got to keep in mind, man, like there's logistics involved. We actually got to get to where that person is uh, when they're uh, at a point in life when they're wanting to talk to us and hang out, and they can hang out as well. Or we got to meet somewhere in between. We won't do Skype stuff, so we got to get there physically. So sometimes it's really hard. We got to figure out how to make it happen. <clears throat> and in the case of something like the Auto Classic, which for people who have been, it's bananas, capital B-A-N-A-N-A-S, bananas, bananas, all those letters, <laughs> just nuts. It's a nutty thing, and especially when you're trying to like schedule interviews um, in those days, 
where all the nuttiness is happening with the people you're trying to get interviews with, they're involved in the nuttiness. They're athletes, they're coaches, they're involved in their, they're showing up and doing promo and all that. In one case, they're the guy who the event is named after. <laughs> so the thing is, all that's really nuts. And actually, I ended up getting five interviews, only a few of which we had actually planned. That's how nutty this weekend was. But the Honor Classic is certainly something you got to do. So you, you get up at 7 a.m. And maybe in the case of like getting an interview with Jim Lindley, you go to bed at 2 a.m. Uh, the next day. <laughs> because you did, you tried you know, your best to get three interviews done that day. And then you, know, you have to do a little socializing, get the steam off, rest, recover, rejuvenate, and then get ready to do an interview. And then that interview involves maybe 10 scotches or something. So what? You suck it up and you meet in a hotel lobby and you get after it. But that takes its toll. But it's worth it for the Honor Classic. Why? Because the Honor Classic is an event that features like over 50 sports, some 18,000 athletes, right? <clears throat> That's a lot of fucking athletes. And then in terms of the size, just to let you know, in the course of the four days this event goes on in Columbus, Ohio, every March, freezing-ass winter, some like 200,000 fans fucking make their way, shuttle their way through the Columbus Convention Center, which sounds like a lot, let me assure you, especially when you're trying to fucking get to the bathroom. That is a lot of people, a lot of primates in one space. So I will give you a tip. Just kind of let me inject some value into my rambling. Upcoming on Barbell Shrugging, look forward to some really cool shows. This week, actually, you're going to see, you're going to start seeing some highlighted documentary work we're doing. Not a ton of it, but some video we took of the event. We're working into the shows. This week, we've got Corey Gregory, uh, president of Muscle Farm. Also, really great lifter. This might surprise some people. We're interviewing the president of a supplement company. But on this week's show, we don't talk about supplements at all. We actually have a really cool, fun, fresh, novel conversation about how best to build maximal strength and to be really lean and fit at the same time. And Corey goes into some really great ideas about how you can do things like squat to max every day, <clears throat> using things like a lot of front squats and everything. And instead of doing a lot of bodybuilding stuff, or a lot of endless reps like you think he would do, he does a lot of things that to, to the average CrossFitter might sound very interesting slash stimulating slash stuff you might want to try out <clears throat> so that's all i'll say about Corey's show it's gonna be really fucking fantastic so it'll be cool if you check that out share it with your friends and whatnot also there's a show coming up with maurice claret <laughs> now when i first we had a shot to do this show uh at first i was oh fuck really you seriously you serious this is one of those big surreal moments because for those who played american football who might be listening to me right now I played American football. I played it terribly in college as well, but I survived. I got my fucking university letter jacket. That's all that matters to me. It means I was at least sometimes useful in some scenarios, which is, that's fine. That's all I'm going for in this life. But Maurice Claret, Maurice Claret was one of like, let's put it in perspective. He was coming up right alongside LeBron James in Ohio and was equal in status as a high school athlete. Only he, his sport was college football or high school football. An unstoppable running back. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away because he tells a lot of awesome things on the show. But he went pretty quickly from the best college football player anybody had ever seen at Ohio State, national champion, to being in trouble with law, to spending some time in solitary confinement after a run-in with the law, um, and then famously having his life blow up and being a, you know, you could, you could ESPN search him right now and see all kinds of interesting stuff. But... Since has read hundreds of books, has, has worked his way out of that situation, has spent his time since building businesses, teaching, doing 
spoken word and um, you know motivational stuff at high, local high schools and everything in Ohio. Really, really a superb comeback story and awesome dude. And I'll tell you the one other show we got out of a lot of shows we tried to get. Again, another thing about these trips is that you work so damn hard. Some days you don't get anything. I'll tell you a story in a minute, but uh, yeah, sometimes you, you try to interview somebody it doesn't go quite well, the equipment breaks, the timing doesn't work out, whatever. But we did get one finally with a dude we've been trying to get for a long time. Because this is an example of somebody who we have crossed paths and the schedules have aligned, but just we haven't quite had the time just to actually sit down. Or when we have had the time, uh, it was better used for other things. Like, you know, in this case, John was coaching his athletes and shit. We had time to hang out there, but, you know, Better use this hour prepping your athletes for the competition or whatever. But I'm talking about John Bros, <clears throat> really awesome coach in the sport of weightlifting. You might know him from John Bros's Average Bros Gym, Las Vegas, Nevada, right, if I'm recalling correctly. A coach of Pat Mendez and a lot of really young, brutally strong weightlifters out of that area. Um, and no bullshit kind of guy, cold, calculated. Not cold, but like, you know, very reasonable when it comes to training. Lays it out very clearly in a way that leaves you very motivated to get your head out of your fucking ass. And train in a way that's actually going to make you strong with more aggression, with higher expectations, with a higher sense of purpose and quality and all that. So those are three shows coming away. They're going to be awesome. Uh, there was one more we were going to get. And I'll go ahead and tell you this, because the whole theme of this podcast tonight is kind of like when shit goes awry, blows up in your face, goes wrong. Uh, even when you plan and do everything right, <laughs> what do you do about it? Right. And here's one example. Uh, I'll let the cat out of the bag. One show we were going to have was with Louis Simmons because we went over to West Side Friday morning. We had breakfast with Louis at Bob Evans. Very exotic, sunny side up situation with breakfast sausage and bacon and all that shit. Really awesome. The cool thing about Louis Simmons is if you visit him, uh, just about always buys you breakfast. Here we always show up. It's me, Charlotte Miles, our new uh, brilliant, superb, awesome, fantastic. Uh, assi- what, you, what, what is Miss Charlotte's thing? She helps us grab video. I don't want to call her a production assistant because really she helps us hold our shit together more than anything. In Ohio, is is her, me, Doug, Mike, and CTP. Um, and Charlotte and CTP are, are, are wrangling the cats, man. <laughs> but we're all sitting at breakfast, and of course a bunch of Louis lifters are sitting at breakfast, and Louis is there, and he buys us all breakfast, and we show up at Westside, we train, have a good time. I could have squatted a lot better, could have done better, but pulled well, and all in all had a good workout and everything. The plan was get the workout done, bullshit with Louis and everything, and then get a podcast after. Um, I'll tell you the bad news first. The bad news is I pulled out all the podcast gear from my my brilliant, awesome rental Corolla. God, what a beast of a vehicle slash filthy piece of shit. I got scalped so bad in Cincinnati trying to get to Ohio. That's going to be another story. But I pull out the gear out of the freezing uh, Toyota Corolla, and I go back in the Westside Barbell and open the thing up. And we get everything plugged on, hit the power, then... Usually green lights appear and you hear sounds and you hear, you know, good things, feedback, like a voice you're saying in the microphone, all these things. That morning, we saw like red and orange lights and then, um, well, signs that things were all kind of fucked up. And it turns out that when you take an ice cold thing out of a sealed box and you expose it to a very damp, very cold environment, the electronics get very mad at you very quickly. So our gear blew out. So instead of interviewing Louie, we had to fuck off to Guitar Center, which is always a bad sign around the road, and fork out you know another 400 bucks, whatever it is, for another Focusrite interface for our microphones. The things you got to do on the road to do a podcast. For anybody on the road who thinks that, you know, sorry, hit my own fucking microphone. Anybody who thinks they want to start a podcast, be prepared. You got to keep it up 
to hone your chops and make it successful every fucking week. You got to pump it out. Right. And then sometimes you're going to get a lot of resistance from the world. Like when your gear shorts out right before you want to get an interview with a very busy, but one of the smartest guys in the world when it comes to strength. The good news about that is we did get a pretty kick-ass technique wad. <laughs> uh, if you saw the one we did with Landers, the head strength coach for Aleko, um, the one he did, he was coaching uh, our good friend, our good sexy friend. Let's just say what it is, Christmas Abbott. If you saw the one where he's coaching her in the snatch and showing her in a very interesting way, raising the standards and showing her how he would like to see her work that drill. This is kind of like that in that we just watch Louie doing his thing. CTP mics Louie up, and then we let Louie just do whatever he wants to do. But with instruction that he's supposed to coach up our two weightlifting coaches, uh, Kurt and Alex, guys you've seen in the flight weightlifting videos and everything. Uh, and that's an, incredible, that's an incredible story all into itself because <clears throat> Alex, one of our, our weightlifting coaches, is a guy who's really strong, has made a lot of improvement, but you know anybody – uh, can relate to his problem, which is training on his own for a while, trying to do his own thing. You reach these plateaus, and sometimes the only way to break out of them is to put yourself in a very interesting novel situation where the emotions are up and the, the stimuli and the inputs are all very different. In this case, for a weightlifter, deadlifting with a, or uh, cleaning, power cleaning with a deadlift bar and metal plates on a deadlift platform with Louis Simmons, a bunch of large, bald, goateed uh, Chuck all-star wearing powder staring at you screaming at you to come on motherfucker clean it <laughs> you know that turned into pr for him uh, i gotta tell that story some other time in more detail but um we did get louis coaching the whole time and getting all his brilliant crazy off-the-cuff commentary too you're really gonna love that but what i want to do is tell you about the other show we didn't get right we didn't get louis although we got something really awesome you're gonna love anyway it might even be better than barbell shrugged because it's just Louis being completely 100% honestly him, which is more of a rare thing. You don't usually get that on video. You get uh, a, a presentation that Louis is doing, a professional, like, let me show you an idea, right? But when he's just riffing in a gym, man, he's hard to beat. It's really awesome. Man, I remember that episode, dude. I remember that technique wad and watching Alex get coached up by the great Louis Simmons. Uh, man, Alex is a great dude, man. Uh, since starting this show, he and I have gotten to connect more. And while I was a fan, uh, once I've gotten to know him, he has just been like, he is just good people, man. I'm a huge, huge Alex Macklin fan, but I'm also just like really proud to know this dude. Uh, he is, yeah, I love his stuff. He's a fantastic coach and I love his work ethic. I love the way that he approaches his training. I love the way that he approaches his uh his his thought thinking about training and his he's very calculated but also like he's down to have a good time and he loves the energy and he just loves training and he shares that with people on a regular basis. And uh you know he even becomes this is a little early in the story but as they're raising Alex and Kirk up into the flight weight through the flight weight uh, weightlifting program soon in the story you know chris and the guys they're going to take a break from the podcast and they're going to lift up more guys and alex and kurt end up being two of those guys as well as mcgee mike mcgoldrick uh, husband of the brandy mcgoldrick amazing crossfitters and coaches in their own right with training think tank 
as well as uh, Mr. McElroy, Mike McElroy, who was a, another phenomenal coach and lived in maybe Alabama or something like that, and they would travel up to Memphis at CrossFit Hit and Run, which is actually the uh, gym community that I was a part ownership in. I had the Midtown location. These guys would train, and they would do their podcast in the downtown location. So, like, I ended up coming into the circle right after these guys uh, really are taking off. I haven't quite met Chris at the time. Uh, I get to come into the story a little bit later. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan. Clearly, I'm still, like, a huge buff. I know the history. I love these guys. Uh, I know some of them personally. And, yeah, I remember this point so well in the story. And, you know, like he said, the opening point was, if you're out there and you're doing this stuff, you know, you're, you're if you're trying to go out and do something creative, you're, you're just going to run into shit that derails you all the time, and you, and you get to make the best of it. I've gotten to do that so much this year. Uh, my buddy Dave and I became uh, business partners. We started a coaching program called Chop Club for Men. It was for executive men that were, like, crushing it in life. You know, they got their business, they got their family, and the last piece of the puzzle for them was like managing their health on a busy schedule, managing their training on a busy schedule. And Dave's a freaking chopper, dude. That's why we named it Chop Club. He just knows how to put training stuff together, and he's done some crazy stuff. I mean, dude, he's the kind of guy that, you know, like he he ran 40 miles recently just because our friend wanted to run 40 for his 40th birthday. He's like, yeah, man, I'll train, I'll train, I'll get prepped up for the next two weeks. And he did, man. He put in 41 miles. Uh, so, you know, like we, I'm a huge fan of training, so we wanted to share this with the guys. And then maybe some of these guys in the future, they'll ask us to come into their companies. And uh, then all of a sudden we get, you know, start getting asked about Chop Club for women. When are we going to do this for, when are we going to create a women's group like this? And uh, do you guys work with any companies? And before you know it, we're, uh, you know, steamrolling into new types of projects, which is in July when you see me sort of fall off the map again. It's like all these things were coming into the space all at once. And uh, my role in the team, Dave is the primary coach these days, and I mostly run and manage the backside of the business and uh, we do a lot of the creative stuff together but mostly anything that's getting made the email copy all the e you know all the stuff you know that that needs to be done to keep business mechanically working is is my role so now all of a sudden I got like three different business ventures so to speak under one umbrella and I'm trying to build them all and I get to have this awakening moment around uh, uh, just before you know, my little after my birthday, September, and it's like, all right, uh, I, I only want to build one thing. And so we've recently pulled everything together. We've launched uh, a program that is essentially there to eliminate, teach people how to eliminate burnout from their life. And everything from companies to individuals, if they want to work with us, they now get to come to Serious Fun. Keep the energy and spirit of recess out into the world in the form of serious fun. And we've now created a product that really helps people that work for companies that are feeling burned out in the modern society, in the modern work environment. Now they have an opportunity to come and learn the essential skills to take that lifestyle to the next level. You know, it's, hey, one, you got to relax, okay? You want to get rid of burnout, you got to relax. You got to focus. You got to learn to hydrate. You know, things like that. It's really simple stuff, guys. And so, yeah, you know, you just 
try new things when it's available to you. And that's like that Barbell Shrug was doing that all all the time. They were always refining, always looking for new ways to get better. You know, they've tried uh, uh, you know, like Chris is managing the daily, and that stays for a while, but it's a ton of work. It was such an ambitious project. And they take on, you know, university later, and all these things are about to pick up, and that's when it gets really complicated. But right now, in the story, they are in the expansion, and they're in this phase where it's like, okay, Chris is moving to California, we're all out here, we're at the Arnold, we're going to get all these interviews, and then you land the whale you hear that you're going to interview Arnold Schwarzenegger at the Arnold Classic okay and it's like holy shit things can get messy uh, on a good day when you're managing a fresh business and these guys are really hitting their stride but still they're in the learning phase and Chris is about to just lay out an incredible story about what the life of entrepreneurship is like. And yeah, it is messy and it is exciting. And there are many lessons to be learned. And guess what? We're about to get one. Chris, let's hear about Arnold, man. The other show I want to tell you about, of course, is the one, uh, the story tonight is based on. That is the, the show we didn't quite get with Arnold. Uh, now, why do I want to pull this up? Um, well, I'm going to start with the poster on my wall. I've got a poster now hanging in more Barbell Hill here. The more Barbell, that's not going to be around for too much longer, but we're soaking up these last hours, right? There's a, there's a poster on the wall behind me. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger's face on it, his delts glistening, his biceps bulging, the Austrian oak in full splendor at his peak. Let me tell you, man. This shit is the real deal. It was the real deal when I was 13 in my friend's backyard. It's the fucking real deal now. And out here in the suburbs in Germantown, Tennessee, as a 30-year-old man, two kids and a wife, I'm still looking at this poster going, fuck, I got to get huge cans like that. <laughs> still not turning out. But on this poster, right, you see Arnold's cold glare looking right at you. And Miles will be saying, come on, let's go, let's train, let's do this, let's do this. It's right in your eyes. And it has Arnold's six rules for success, right? The kind of shit that seems too simple, too easy, too good to be true. But the longer you live, you realize this shit is absolutely what you have to do and practice every single day. Uh, I can attest to that. The rules are, one, trust yourself. Trust yourself. The only person who can do your job is you. And by your job, I mean be uh, the full representation of all your experiences and skills and passions. You're the only person who can do what you love to do the way you can do it. So you have a responsibility to do it. You have to learn to trust that. Rule two, <laughs> rule two, sorry, <clears throat> break rules. Uh, well, I'm not the guy to ask this because I pretty much hate authority in all forms. I fucking really hate it. But most rules are bullshit. Uh, if you're not comfortable with something, that's all that matters. You have to work your way into a state of comfort. You got to live life by your own fucking rules. If something bothers you and you can do something about it, then it's your responsibility to fucking do something about it. As long as your efforts create value that other people appreciate, as long as you're doing things to help others, as long as the rules you're breaking help the lives of other people in some way, help you express a creative vision, a, a, help you develop your sense of purpose, whatever. <clears throat> if there's some bullshit fucking societal rule standing between you and the thing you want, then you break the shit out of it, right? <clears throat> rule three, don't fear 
as much as you usually fear. Don't let fear control you. Rear, uh, rule four, ignore, ignore naysayers. This is one I've got a lot of experience with because, like, here's the thing. I've said it a lot on the Get Changed podcast before, right? When you're trying to do something really awesome in your life, or if you're like all of us, the people who do Barbell Shrugged, if you're told <clears throat> your whole fucking life that lifting weights so much and studying it so much and caring so much about muscles and stuff and trying to teach it so much and leaving the university setting to try to do your own thing, trying to podcast, who's listening to you, all this shit. You get a lot of naysayers, man, your whole life. And here's the only thing that's going to matter. There's something you've determined that's important to do. You know you should do it. You probably know that right now. Uh, Some people are going to support you and go, hey, man, that's fucking awesome. How can I help you do it? You know, I'd love to. Or you can do it. Or, you know, go for it. You know, reassurance. Uh, They might hate to see you go if it involves leaving a place or starting a new thing. But they encourage you. They don't fucking lay baggage on you. Anybody who would lay baggage on you or try to stay in your way. Um, they've got, I get, you know, they've got something going on in their own fucking world. Uh, you can't let it stop you to those kind of naysayers. You say, you know, thanks for your input, but fuck off, you know, politely (laughs) rule five. Okay. Rule five work like hell. That's mandatory. That's something I've certainly got a better appreciation for now. I've always been appreciative of the fact that I could put in a fair amount of work. You know, I've never been against working hard, I guess, but Really, I've learned that the more intensely you can work, the better. I mean, we talked about on Barbell Shrug these these trips, how you don't really sleep much. Well, like when I'm home, I sleep plenty. At least I try to. I'm doing a better job of that, thanks to Dr. Kurt Parsley scaring the fucking shit out of me. About the perils, the real perils. About not getting as much sleep as possible. Eight hours minimum, baby. Eight hours minimum. But... In actuality, man, when I'm here, you know, fucking still thing. <laughs> Same thing. I get up at 6.30 or 7, uh, go through a quick morning ritual, then from 8.30 or so till till 8.30 at night, it's just a storm of what ideas can I think up? What can we post the daily? What's the next show? How are we going to make it happen? Uh, what's our vision for it? What's our, what needs to be written, drafted, or whatever for our programs? I mean, it's, it's nonstop, and it's because – we can do that because we love it so much. I mean, it's part of our life. But we're really driven, and we see the kind of value we get out of the work we do. So we're motivated to keep working harder and harder and harder. But long story short for this rule, if you're not prepared to fucking really, really put everything you've got into it continuously, even if there's no rewards coming, if you can't do that first, you're not going to get much success on the other side. Prerequisite, folks. Prerequisite. And then the sixth thing on the Arnold's poster <clears throat> is to give back. And that's something that I think um, when somebody ever asked me, like, what is the basis of what you do at Barbell Shrugged? I'd say we're on a mission to give back as much as we can. Like Dave Tate said, like Jim would tell you, like anybody who's been around the strength game for a while will tell you, the longer you're around, the more of, an, of a real impetus, incentive, a real stimulus you feel <clears throat> to take everything you've been taught to combine it with your experience and share it because you know you could potentially help somebody else. It gets The longer you're in this game, the more that should become, at least for us, it becomes a driving force. So we don't feel reward out of Facebook shares and clicks and all that. Uh, it's nice. It's cool. But the, the best kinds of rewards are when athletes tell you or coaches tell you or people tell you, I watched this show and, man, it fucking blew my mind, taught me something different. Now I'm doing something different and I'm, I'm healthy and stronger because of it. That's really... That's really what it's all about, right? Yes. Literally. That is what it is all about. 
That is the way that all knowledge has ever been shared, all wisdom that has ever been shared, ever, that has ever been passed along, was passed along because it was shared. Chris understood that. Uh, those are awesome, six awesome rules to live by, clearly. But the real lesson here to me is that he lived his message. Um, he just was so, yeah, in his experience, man. He, and he lived his values. That's the part that I always recognize when I listen to these episodes. He was living his values. It's hard to live by your values. It takes a lot of guts. Like he said, a lot of naysayers. I know what he means. I may not have experienced it the same way, but I know what he means. Uh, Man, thank you. A gift. Keep going. But here's the other reason I've got this fucking poster on my wall. Okay? The the rules are real. They're great. But the real reason is uh, the the look I've got from this poster from the other side of where my parak is is pretty much the look I've got burned into my memory where I had this epic stare down with Arnold Schwarzenegger himself in this media room at the Arnold Classic. Um, of course, the Barbell Shrug team had come prepared for this. Media badges, a whole lot of stuff. I'll tell you this just in seconds. But I've got this moment where I stared down with Arnold, and then he walked away, and I didn't quite get what I wanted. So I put that poster up. Every time I fucking look at these glaring eyes of this guy, the Austrian oak, you know, every time I see this shit... <laughs> It motivates me to train harder, to abide by those rules better, to keep pushing for what I want, to push through like the, the short-term frustrations of a setback and all, to get that interview I want. I'm going to tell you maybe a little bit of how we're going to do that. But the stare down brought me to a key moment. Like, What, what do you do when shit doesn't quite go your way? Here's this story. We were supposed to interview Arnold Saturday. You know, so we got our equipment fixed, the ones that got frozen out from the Louis the close Louis interview that didn't happen, right? We got that fixed. The whole process of trying to get a guy like Arnold on your show involves like a lot of like emailing around, trying to work every possible angle you can ever imagine. When you get a hold of somebody on a on an Arnold Sports Festival email string, who has media credentials, who knows the next guy, who knows the next guy, who can kind of work your way up each email round to the guy who might know. You do that for a month and pretty much you get to the point where maybe people start listening to you because you've been pestering him so much. You pitch them things like your show download amounts and where you share what and, you know, how big's your audience and all that. You pitch a value proposition. Here's another tip for you. If you want people to do something for you, help you out. Uh, it's best to not say, hey, can you do this for me? Because that makes you sound like a selfish asshole. And most people are selfish assholes. The thing you want to do is think, okay, I'd like to work with this person. There's something we could do together or they could do for me that could create value and benefit me, of course. And we got stakes in this thing. <clears throat> but the way you're going to get that is by thinking first, what do they want? How can I help them, right? So that's what I was thinking. Like, what could we bring to the table also to help showcase the Arnold and make it sweeter for – and incentivize him to do the fucking show, you know? Uh, and it turns out we got some great stuff coming out anyway. Uh, like I said, the, the shows coming up feature a lot of cool, like, edited competition footage and everything that you're going to really enjoy. I've even done some voiceover stuff for it. I wrote some stuff just this morning for the intro. I think you're going to get kicked out of it. But anyway, so there's the stress of like the buildup, right? Everything you've, you're doing, <clears throat> every email, every phone chat, every like thing wheeling, dealing, every stats graph you put together, it all builds up to the Saturday we had where I get official confirmation via email. Hey, boom, Saturday night. That's your night. 5 p.m. show up at this ballroom at the Hyatt. 
near the Columbus Center. Uh, be ready to set up your shit. 7 p.m. You're on Arnold's official agenda to get you an interview. Now, let me tell you, man. <clears throat> let me tell you. For a child of the 80s and a fan of Predator and Conan the Barbarian and all this shit, True Lies being especially good, I mean, everything Arnold did between my levels of consciousness emerging in the 80s, so shit like Predator and all that, all the way through like True Lies in that area, gold, gold. So here I am holding in my hand a piece of paper that says, you're up, kid, you're going to interview this guy. So this was, this was like the peak moment. I was like, fuck, man, really? Like all the factors are aligning. I, I snuck my way in here <laughs> by my standards. You know, like, I have no business being here. That's what I'm thinking. But I got in here. I showed what I've got. I pitched an idea. They liked the idea. They had us on enough. They put us on the fucking official schedule and all, man, this is crazy. This is awesome. It's all reaching this point. And before we do this interview, we figure, fuck, we got to rest. We are so fatigued. We take a nap. We, we, we chill out. We pitch our ideas. We try what we're going to ask. <clears throat> we had a great plan going in. What was our plan? First, we were going to say an obvious, like, hey, Arnold, Obviously, thank you. Um, you're a big influence in our lives. I might have ranted about how the first exercise I ever did in my life was uh, the Arnold Press, seated with some concrete weights to build massive delts. I wanted your delts, Governor. I thought this is the way to do it. How am I doing? You know, we're going to riff a little bit. Uh, when I talk about specifically how he got into lifting, whether his vision for what he wanted to do with his life preceded lifting or whether the strength he gained from lifting and training gave him the confidence to see that the people who had got really good at lifting and who had made themselves strong and had made something of themselves in acting or whatever, or modeling or whatever, <clears throat> was that the thing that led him to grow from Austrian farm boy to world famous governor, you know? Uh, and then also say specifically, uh, getting away from the common typical physique questions, you know, and getting more to like, who were your weightlifting heroes? You did some strength stuff. You did odd stone lifting and some, powerlifting, weightlifting, who were your heroes in performance? Maybe why did you go performance for a while, but then air on the side of bodybuilding, you know you, you maybe couldn't snatch what other guys could snatch, was a real opportunity in bodybuilding. You know, we wanted to get into some of the stuff. <clears throat> we also wanted to talk about what he now wanted to achieve with the Honor Classic or the Honor Sports Festival. It's something we've been going through for the last decade of our lives. It's a really cool, crazy circus-like atmosphere. It's an awesome event. Now that he's done with politics and back in the scene, what does he want to achieve with it? Where does he want to go? <clears throat> and then the other thing we want to talk about was that uh, Arnold's been super active in um, <clears throat> after-school programs for kids, getting kids involved in physical fitness and everything. Because if you're occupied, if you're studying, if you're training, you know, if you're really if you're training after school, you're not going to be fucking getting in trouble. That's for sure, right? That's not going to happen. You're not going to get in trouble. Because you realize that, fuck, I'd rather be training because if I get into trouble, I can't squat. And that's how crazy you get pretty quick with training. But that's the positive influence. We wanted to say we've been involved in the past with a, uh, the organization called like Steve's Paleo. We had them on a podcast. They're cool. We try to support them every time we can. We certainly have an interest in seeing more kids get involved in CrossFit and training and lifting and weightlifting and everything else. So we thought that'd be a really cool riff on it. So that's what we had in mind, right? So um, I'll tell you how it happens. So we're we're prepped. We're rested. In fact, too rested because at 4.30 p.m., you know, we're supposed to be at the fucking Arnold Classic at 5 p.m. to set up our shit. At 4.30, everybody's still, like, snoozing and trying to recover, like, some mental edge. And it wasn't happening. In fact, at one point, I had to, to shake my finger at Mike Bledsoe. Like, Mike, get the fuck up or I will, I will fucking leave you here. I swear to Christ. I'll leave you here with your dick in your hand. Get out of the bed. Let's go, man. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is waiting on us. You'd be surprised. Even in this scenario, we can slack ass sometimes. That's what the lack of sleep does for you. Again, how Charlotte puts up with us and wrangles us to the scene. We're supposed to shoot. I don't know. But it was happening. But this day, we're a little rushed, right? A little extra pressures on the scene. Doug and I and CTP decided to fuck off immediately. We get in a rental car. We said, hey, look. They said be there at 5. Who knows what kind of barriers we got to jump over. We're going to take this thing home. We're going off. Charlotte and, and Bloodso hang back to catch an Uber ride. Like, fuck you guys. You know, we're taking our time. We're doing this. Who knows if you're going to be able to find a place to park that rental. <clears throat> we split up. Seemed like we did it at that time. Uh, we go, we go, we go. We, get, we pull up to the front of where the ballroom is, the hotel, right? CTP fucks out of the car. Goes in quickly just to make sure the scene is set. And that we're cool to be a little bit late. Where are we supposed to go? You know, is there a big line? Is there nobody? Who knows? But he's in there. And then Doug and I find a place to park. We're settling in. We get out and we realize very quickly, huh, okay. Well, fuck, we don't have the microphones. No microphones. You need those to do a podcast. Shit, we're thinking. Well, surely CTP must have grabbed them as he skated off out of the parking lot into the hotel. We text him up. Turns out, no, he doesn't have them. No. Call up Mike. Hey, Mike, what are you doing? You got, you got, did you get the mics? I don't have them. I thought you guys had them. Fuck, really? The best time we had shuffled 15 minutes away from our rental house to the, to the scene. We're already late. Now we're facing the prospect of having to get back to the rental house, grab our shit, and come back down here. Then still have to park. You know, we're looking at the prospect of losing like 45 minutes or something. Who knows? Maybe more. Blood pressure's going up, right? Again, you know, if it's like your cousin you're going to hook up with for a, a long-awaited but pretty much dreaded, like, awkward, you know, Thursday evening dinner or some shit, then being late's not a big deal. But what's on a fucking Schwarzenegger, you know, he's the one who could be fucking sitting around waiting on you. You freak out, you know. It's a big deal. This is not the kind of thing we want to be late for. And here we are fucking late for it. So we go, okay. Huh. Doug talks to me. Okay, well, we'll just go to the house and get and get it. And he checks his pockets and realizes, okay, well, I don't have the key. You got the key, Mike? We'll get it from you if you're still there. And then we'll, or you bring it to us, whatever. Or maybe you can go back and get the shit. Who's got the key? Who's got the key? Turns out nobody knows where the key is. So now we're, oh man, can you imagine? Now we're facing down the prospect. Uh, Doug and I are having this conversation, nervously clenching the steering wheel, fucking <laughs> pulling back up the house going, okay, we seriously have to break into this poor woman's rental house, this apartment behind her house. We have to break in through the front, front door, grab the key, grab our microphones, Leave a note saying, sorry, we'll explain this in a minute, and then fuck off back to the convention center to try to get this interview done. That's what we're staring down, and we're already late. Thank Lord. Lord in heaven, thank you. Because Mike Bledsoe, somewhere on his person, found the key and was able to quickly go back and get the gear and come back. And then luck upon luck, two layers of luck stacked on top of each other. CTB tells us that, look, turns out there's not much going on. We're cool to be late. So the fire drill's over. Our first run at doing like a full-on press junket. Our first try at it. Not successful, but a good, a good learning experience. Next time we know some obvious things to check off the list to be a little bit less stressed. That's phase one. It explains sort of the underlying current of, man, this thing is peaking in emotion. We get into the ballroom. We set up all the barbell shrug stuff. We are a brand new interface that's not shorted out and is functional. <laughs> uh, extension cord with a very nice surge protector. We're trying to like astronauts boarding a spaceship to the International Space Station, we're trying to fucking think of everything that could go wrong, every risk, every contingency. 
and make sure we're, we've got it double, triple checked. I set it up. We do a sound check. Everything looks good. Put our equipment off to the side. It's like 6.45 or so. We're 15 minutes ahead. Everything seems perfect. And again, I want to reiterate, all the systems lined, um, the hecticness of the day, these tests, we overcame them. We got around them. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great, but we're there. And now it seems like what we thought was surely just going to get ripped away at the last second. Now it seemed like it really was going to happen because now we're in a room with official people behind locked doors with it's us, the Barbell Shrug team. And then over there, it's the WWE, the Wrestling Federation. They're setting up an interview they're going to do with Arnold and fucking Triple H of all people. I think he's like the CEO of the WWE now. And the guy doing interviews, their official interview guy, guys, does all the interviews for the WWE. And to the left over here, there was Muscular Development Magazine. <clears throat> and then no one else. There's three people or groups. WWE, Muscular Development. And then there was Barbell Shrugged, which I thought was pretty fucking awesome. It, it sort of reiterated to me that, holy shit, you know, you weren't paying attention, you were rushing around, you were so worried about getting your reward, and all of a sudden you looked up and you failed to realize until just now that, wow, I mean, you're kind of legit, right? I realized at that moment, actually, that we're kind of real media, which is strange to say, being real media, right? But it's true. Like, here we are, you know, we're, we're getting ready to interview a very big A-list personality, A-list celebrity, with these people who are established media. So... That was the thing that was surreal as hell. But still, we're, we're overcoming and we're still waiting, though. We're still waiting. 7.15 becomes uh, 7.30, 8. It becomes 8.30. It becomes almost 9, I'm thinking. <clears throat> that time, we're kind of stressed. Even more so by the fact that we're getting word that Arnold is getting kind of worn out. By this time, he had presented all day. He's all over the place this event. And every single athletic competition, those 50 sports I talked to you about, he's at him, man. He's being seen. He's engaging. He's saying, ah, ah, all that shit. He's raw, raw up. He's doing a lot. And I could understand how tired he must have been, especially after presenting like the, the finals of the bodybuilding competition at night and whatnot. But I was still thinking, but you got to do this for us, dude. I'm, I'm this close, man. Come on. So this whole time, man, we're on like the edges of her seat. And it's really stressful. And it's like I told Doug, this analogy is perfect. If you've ever played sports, you might know how just crazy it can feel when you are like warming up and you're waiting for the game to start. The time between arriving at the stadium and actually getting on the field is, is agony for a lot of athletes. It was for me because you're, like just, you're, just, you're just praying for the kickoff, man. You're just saying to yourself, please, let's just get this shit going because I've done the work, I've prepared, I want to get it going. And I want to high-five my buddies afterwards and go get fucked up because in celebration. But you're waiting for that moment, you're waiting, and it's fatiguing, it's fatiguing, it's fatiguing. And it builds up to this crescendo moment where – the governor finally, finally really does walk into the room, you know. So, you know, what happens there? First things first, everybody does freak the fuck out, to be honest with you. Uh, I had met Arnold once before. I didn't really say much. I kind of fumbled over my words and said, hey, nice to meet you, governor, you know, whatever. And he quickly went on, just another face in the crowd. This time was different. I was actually going to engage the guy uh, on the same level or at least interview him and try to be – the guy asking the, the really good questions. So that was, that was surreal. But uh, you could tell the room got pretty serious quickly. So he moved over to the WWE setup, right? Him and Triple H. Triple H is gigantic. Triple H is a, f like, man. <laughs> and very serious looking. Like, he looks like somebody's holding a turd up to his nose all the time. That's, he looks very serious. 
trains very hard, very muscular. Wouldn't fuck with him, that's for sure. Uh, and was in awe because like I've seen a lot of his wrestling. I was a kid once. I, even though Brutus Barber Beefcake and Bam Bam Bigelow are more like my generation. That was more my style. But I knew of him and I liked him, whatnot. It's all good stuff. But as, as CCP and I quickly recognized, we're like, man, the interview they're doing is boring as shit. Like, I can appreciate what the WWE does and the, and the talent of these two guys and all that. But, you know, it was more the same thing you always hear when you hear people talk about Arnold or interviewing him. It was like, man, yeah, he was a physique hero of mine and Arnold has it feel to be a hero and all the safe typical stuff. So that was interesting to hear for like 15, 20 minutes. And the whole time you're thinking, man, we can do better than this. Like, really believe in it. Like, fuck, we could just get, if we could just get our chance, you know, just fucking everybody get out of the way and let us turn these mics on. We're going to have the best discussion anybody's ever fucking had with this guy. We believe it. We, we st- I still believe it. We, we, we believe that 100% then. If this last little turn of the wheel would click into place, we could do the interview that really shows just how passionate this guy is for training still. Everybody's afraid just to ask the guy fucking normal questions. Like, <laughs> we were going to just bro it out with the guy. Chalk talk. But, but we'll get our chance. We'll get it. Fuck keep the positivity going man mental engine is still churning this is what we had in mind we we're gonna make it happen still uh then he if he finishes that and he gets up and he moves over to the muscle muscle development thing um standing just inches away from us again and there we are bug barbell shrug gear behind us ready to go right and it's more questions like oh how's it feel to be such a fitness icon and same kind of stuff but it doesn't quite go in an honest route. It goes to a safe route. It goes to, you know, what you expect route. Same old thing. Like, you know, what we're trying to do is, you know, all the sports and promoting it and all that. But it was, again, it just, it was good. But I've seen that interview 100,000 times, especially at Arnold Media shit. I know they got to do a certain amount of those. And I know there's no need to do anything crazy and different because what are you trying to do with this? You're just trying to get people stirred up and train a little bit more. But the whole thing was that we were going to kick on our microphones and engage this guy because we know that he's still just a hungry, you know, determined kid from Austria who's still fighting just to make the most out of what he's got to fucking give the world, create all the value he can, succeed on every level he can, kick ass, be the man. You know, it's hard not to be impressed by his alpha status and want to at least learn what you can from it and push. But here we are again. Like it's, it's, it's now almost 10 o'clock and we're inching, inching, inching closer to our time. So what happens when fucking Muscular Development Magazine finishes their interview? The lights go off. Arnold kind of sighs like, fuck, finally. I'm done with this shit. His, his caravan of personalities manifests around him. They kind of start moving towards the front door. And then there's a curious moment, right? There's a real curious moment <clears throat> where he stops. Like, again, it's about as close as I am now to the poster. It's like 10 feet, you know? Too close just to reach out and grab him because you look like a weirdo reaching out that far for a handshake. But not too far where you're not engaged, you know? Like, you ever been, like, really close to somebody in a post office and you saw maybe you went to high school with them and you looked at them and you looked away with intent? Like, you both felt we know each other, we should have shook hands, but we're really not into that deal right now. Let's just fuck off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have that moment going on. <clears throat> we had that with Arnold. Only it's me standing going, come on, come on, come on. And then maybe a lot of people behind us going, holy fuck, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And what is he going to do, blow us off? We look like a bunch of kids holding Cheerios that our friend just pissed into. Like our day is on the verge of being, re- like tears, ball- it's, everything's hanging on a rope because now we're pretty much seeing he's walking away. And there's a moment where he just turns 
looks right at me and our friends and just looks and kind of there's that moment like one inch closer we're going to shake hands and say hey man you know what do you think you want to do it or if maybe tomorrow we can work it out but no there's just a stare down there's just the acknowledgement hey i know you guys were here to do something and i'm leaving now he fucking just turns around and walks out the door oh my god i've heard that story so many times and still, it is just so gutting. I can feel it staring the Arnold Schwarzenegger in the face. That cl- You were that close. How could you not be just crushed in an instant? I've had, in my own life, crushing moments of defeat. And... It is just in the moment it feels like this is game over. We can't come back from this. And, you know, hey, Arnold's an icon. Any Anyone uh, in Chris's position would feel just how he felt. So close, yet so far away. And sometimes life is like that. Uh, man, I feel like I've had five of those moments almost this year. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, it's some dude that, you know, has a nearly billion-dollar company, right? And it's like I'm, I'm, I'm having a conversation with him, and, and it seems like, oh, my God, he loves what we're about. Uh, he thinks Serious Fun's a great idea. This dude, I could ask this guy for a million dollars, and it would turn my whole life around, you know, like that whole, that whole thing. You think that you're going to get the relief that you're looking for, the thing that pushes you over the edge, and sometimes you just don't get it. And, oh, it hurts. And it hurts because you care. <clears throat> and Chris, he cared so much. He cared about having those types of conversations that, like, shift the like, shift culture. Like, he wanted to have that unique, dynamic bro talk with Arnold Schwarzenegger because yes like you mentioned I've seen that interview that he described a thousand times too you knew Chris was ready to do that work if he was given the opportunity all those guys were and you know I'm I'm still looking for my opportunity my Arnold Schwarzenegger moment that stare down uh, I've had some of them but I want to get the one that that pushes me over the edge we all do and for Chris to have that moment and to do what he's about to do which is turn it into a lesson for us to take home as a gift and for us to revisit and rediscover as many times as we want. It's always here. His legacy, his life's work, to the best of his ability, he put it out in his show for us to come back to time and again whenever we want. And I encourage all of us, that's what this whole show was about, rediscover his message and what it meant for uh, his life and then, again, just find what it means to us in our life. So... I will allow Chris to do what he does best and get to the lesson. All right, bud. Take it away. And there you go. Your perfect month of effort. All the stars aligning and everything coming together at the last second in a way that you think you're going to get that 5, 10, 15 minutes to talk with the guy and it's going to be one of those moments you look back on and be like, fuck, that's when it really broke through, you know? <laughs> It's all building up, all the stress and everything you fought through to fucking, you just willed yourself to keep right there in position for the cool thing to happen, and then it doesn't happen. You know, and I got to be honest with you, this is something that I don't quite experience a lot in my life. Sometimes shit doesn't work out, but 
you know, to be honest, there's very few times where you put all this effort in and shit is breaking your way. And then you're going to get to like the last inch of the football field. And before you get the touchdown, you're so sure of you fucking blow the game or at least the game gets blown for you. There was nothing. There was no mistake we made. That's the extra twist. There was no mistake on our part. We had done everything and then some to be right there. And it didn't work out. Now, from this, two things came to my mind. There's the, in hindsight, valuable lessons from this. And then there's the ugly side of my emotional reaction. I'll tell you the, the hindsight stuff first, the valuable stuff first. The great stuff is that, look, <clears throat> it didn't work out, but what's the value here? This is what you should do, okay? When shit doesn't go your way, if you want to be a maximally successful person in training and work and anything, uh, when shit doesn't go your way, something breaks badly, the first thing that comes to your mind is you think about the preparation you've done. You think about what you can do, not what's lost, not what you're not going to get now. It's fucking stupid shit. You think about what can I do? Like, what, did I, what is the value here? What needs to be done now? You, you get on with your life, basically. How quickly can you turn the thing around and start making hay out of the experience? So this will be my list if I was going to make it in a rational state at the time. I'd write down that we got to meet all these great public relations contacts of the Arnold Classic. Even Arnold's personal assistant now knows our names and knows, hey, we're those weightlifting guys, and man, we're sorry to blow you off. We had some leverage there. We did get blown off. Um, what else? You know, we we were there at the junket. We had never been to a junket before, like a thing where A-list celebrities going to show up, and this may be routine for fucking WWE or whatever. Not routine for us. Again, this is a moment where I realized later that, well, you know, the, the upside is that now we can say we've been there. Now we've we've counted these people as company. We were there. We were prepared. You know, we were going to do a fucking better job. That's the benefit of, of knowing you were at the right place, right time, ready, prepared, you know, ready to jump on your opportunity. What didn't happen, but that that was a painful, acute thing. But the the bottom line is that now we are so much more likely when we get in that situation to hit all the notes even extra hard and to be even more prepared. Now we get a another opportunity with somebody, you know, we'll be first in line or second in line maybe, especially after we show that we can, we've been there before and we can do it. You know, this, it only, we only like sort of broke the seal on the thing. Now that we've done it, it's easier to do it again. Even if it failed, it doesn't matter because now we can repeat the effort with more ease. Yeah, those are like the that's that's the silver lining like man hindsight 2020 interpretation the the real world <clears throat> interpretation was i got really fucking pissed <laughs> all right don't let my instagram handle name fool you this barbell buddha nonsense i wasn't like anywhere close to being enlightened that night i was fucking really mad because you know for a lot of reasons i mean i put in all the effort there's a selfish reasons that i wanted this and i wanted it for us and I wanted it for the show there was the sleep deprivation and stress all contributing to that. There was the added stress of, of the fact that you know, we drugged Doug, or he, he decided to, to drag himself across the country, just schlep it all the way from, from San Diego or Encinitas, where he's got his newborn son there. The son, his son's only a couple weeks old, right? But for this, he decided, I'm going to get out there and get back. I mean, we're going to get Arnold on the show, but I'm going to be there for it. He came all the way out. He got that close, too, with us. He had given up a lot. You didn't want to ever step an inch away from your kid if you don't have to. That's something you feel intensely and acutely when you have a child of your own. You don't want to leave the you don't want to go all the way halfway across the country in the cold if you don't have to. But he did it and it didn't work out, you know. 
And there's that, and there's all the stress of it. And, and it just is the selfishness of having to lose and fucking just eat it, which is not something I do well. I don't like authority. <laughs> and I sure as fuck don't like getting what I want when I put in all that work to make to ensure that it happened. You know, you can there's like a Hulk and Bud moment. In fact, <laughs> I freaked everybody out because there's a moment where I almost ripped the door handle off the rental Corolla. A poor rental Corolla. I know I got ripped off because the weather was bad and I had to fly into Cincinnati instead of Columbus. And I had to rent this car for $180 fucking dollars a day. Late model Toyota Corolla. Let me emphasize that it, on some level I had it coming, but I didn't deserve to rip the door off. And thank God the thing popped back into place or else that's going to be out-of-pocket expense for sure. You can't just go ripping the car off the fucking rental car. And I didn't have the insurance payment either. I didn't, wanna, you know, I didn't buy that. I'm the kind of guy that says, nope, I already got insurance. I'll take care of the car. Luckily, I didn't rip the fucking thing off. What's the lesson of that thing, man? The story that happened. So I got mad. So we did all this work. So we're almost there. So we almost made the most epic episode of Barbell Shrugged happen, but didn't quite. What did we get? What did we learn? Well, first things first, I learned what I always learn when I have plans that don't work out is that the error wasn't like in the universe and the world and the circumstance. It was that I had a plan and yeah, yeah, so it didn't work out. But other, th- other parts of it did work out. We did get great shows with Jim and Dave. Things did work out the very next day with John Bros and we got that interview with Maurice. Epic shows. And we made the relationships. Also that show with Corey. We, we submitted a whole future of awesome shows. You know, all that value's there. That's certainly something to take away. And overall, just the hecticness of it. We get better at being less hectic next time around. But I would say the real value for me and probably, probably the value anybody could take away from that kind of scenario is that I think it's a good lesson that sometimes shit is just not going to work out for various reasons. But your reaction to it is going to be largely dependent upon you know, what your attitude is towards the work you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish. Like Anytime I've ever put the focus on what I might get out of the thing, I stand to be disappointed. So in this case, I'm thinking if we get that interview, then all this shit might happen. I project out into the future. I try to force things. I'm looking too far ahead. Taking my eyes off what I'm supposed to be doing today. Taking my eyes off the grindstone. And I think that's the real lesson of the story is anytime you take your lesson, your, your, your attention and your focus off of where you might next best apply it. <clears throat> anytime you do that, you're going to fuck up. That's like the bottom line. Because that means you're not present. If you're not present, you're, you're spending time in the past or the future. And those are places where your attention, your focus is not quite good. You have moments where you plan. You have moments where you fight to line up the things like they're going to be. And moment to moment, you make the best possible decisions you can. To like You, you try to always write yourself and adjust your, your attitude, as Ash Knights might call it. Like every conceivable input, every source of data, every contingency, every thought, you're always got to be present, present, present to always be guiding yourself where you need to go. In my error, the error I make a lot and will continue to make is losing that focus at least long enough to, to spend too much time thinking about the future. And in this case, I got burned by it. <clears throat> I think it's a lesson that most people need to keep in mind. Your, your attention needs to stay on the grindstone and the daily things you're going to do to make hay and create value and to help other people. And then when things don't work out, okay, that's all right. But you won't even really notice if the attention is back on what you're going to do next now that this thing is over. What are you going to learn from the thing that didn't work and how are you going to take that information and make something better with it? <clears throat> if I had 
if I had actually really known Chris, I would have pushed back on him on one thing. I, I think in having listened to this, he, he was enlightened, but I just don't think enlightened means in the way that I'm saying it, the way that he might have imagined that it means. To be enlightened, uh, in a sense, is to be in the light or to be in the truth. And Chris's admittance of his anger and his moments of not behaving like his ideal self, using that as a way to say, I'm clear, like, I'm, I'm not enlightened. I clearly have human moments that are like this, that are flawed, as if enlightenment maybe means that you don't experience that. But to me, enlightenment is being able to, like, recognize and sit with the truth. And Chris was awake to the truth that he was flawed and that he is the he is willing to continue to work at it day in and day out to you know refine and craft and to me that's that's all enlightenment is you're enlightened awake you're in the light that hey I'm a flawed person and when my flawed humanness and my planning meet reality things sometimes go different than most times go different than we anticipate and if we are Yes, constantly looking forward, we get lost and, and, and hazy-eyed at all the possibilities. Uh, we can slip up. And when we get too dragged down by focusing on all the things that we messed up in the past, and oh, all my mistakes, all my mistakes, and we, we wallow for too long, we miss the lessons. And Chris was able to apply that to his life so beautifully. So uh, I just want to honor that. And, yeah, of course, you know, to me, I agree. Like, gurus aren't, the only gurus that really exist are the ones that we create in our own mind. So, Chris is not a guru in the sense, and only if we create him as such. But I can, I still want to honor the fact that he was awake to very serious truths in his life while he was alive. And because he doesn't, you know, because he dies, like, this is a really important thing to acknowledge about this man, is that he was awake, and because he was, he took these actions. He learned these lessons, he integrated them into his life, and he went out and took action. And that's the invitation that he continues to make over and over and over again in the show. It's the same invitation, the same thread, and he brings it up right back here. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know how the show is going to continue. I, I don't, uh, this show was not done like I listened to the whole thing. I'm, I'm cutting in and out as I'm listening to the show, and I'm trying to give you some raw, honest feedback here. And I'm hanging out with the dude, just like you are. But uh, just in case he tells where I think he's about to go, he's going to tell one more story, and he's going to close the show. I just want to say thank you again. Uh, I don't know when I'll be back to talk with you. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm going to continue to let my plans meet reality, and I will surf just like Chris. And uh, in case not, you know, uh, I don't know if there's a good place to jump in, I'll jump in. But until then, uh, I just want to say thank you again for continuing to go on the journey. I hope that my contribution is contributing to your life in a way that is valuable. And if you'd like to send me any notes, I'd love to hear from you. All right, Chris, man, you know what to do. Happy, happy birthday, buddy. Take it away. So there. <laughs> it just took 51 minutes. I guess that was good enough story time, right? I should have a campfire in here. 
although it's so fucking moist out here, I don't think it'll ever burn. Again, I'm over the soggy springs. <laughs> uh, before we go, let me just say a few things. First things first, make sure you go to barbellshrug.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Look around. I put a whole lot of effort into stacking a lot of good information there for you. If you want to learn and share and get some good information, make yourself at home. Search around for keywords. Look who's written stuff. Go back in time. You know, scroll back through the pages of Technique Wad, Barbell, you know, Shrugged, Get Change, Barbell Business even. All these shows. We work very hard weekly. <clears throat> you know, we just don't do fucking Barbell Shrugged. And I just don't do this every once in a while. <laughs> we do Barbell Business. We've got Technique Wad. Just on a weekly basis, lots of good feedback or lots of good information for you, everybody. Uh, for those who've been asking me, yes, uh, we are still very busily working, not just on our programs like Barbell Shredded and Barbell Bikini, which are launching now. Folks, if you've got uh, the desire to be a little bit sexier, a little bit leaner in time for bikini season, our coaches, Mike McGoldrick, CrossFit Games athlete and a hell of a coach, also Jackie Perez, we will help you get lean and sexy. You can go to barbellshredded.com, barbellbikini.com, and learn more. But hurry up. Those spaces are limited. The programs will close soon, and we won't open them back up again until later towards the fall, I believe. <clears throat> also, for those who are interested, Barbell University is definitely still fucking happening. It just happens that building a university is a very hard thing to do. You want to do it the right way, but it's happening. The pilot course, I believe, is almost ready. You're going to see very soon an option to sign up to check out you'll be able to get your preview of Barbell University and the kind of format we're going to be offering. In short, it's going to be awesome because because we plan on starting with why. If you went to college for sports science, you might have noticed how you did a lot of science and stuff, and you slowly, slowly, slowly started working your way to the gym and learning how to coach. What we're going to do is start with everything that's most relevant. We're going to make you a really awesome coach and teach you a lot of stuff up front, yeah. But then the longer you get into it, the more we're going to drill into the details and tie them all uh, quite accurately back to the gym to show you why as a client, as an athlete, as a coach, you need to know this shit, right? That sound good? I think it sounds pretty good. Uh, again, this week, um, for those who might be in the future listening back in time, ooh, episode 169 of Barbell Shrugged with Corey Gregory, president of Muscle Farm. You're going to want to watch that. We ain't talking supplements, folks. We're going to talk all training, shit you can take right from that episode and, and do better in the gym with um, build more strength, be sexier, more ripped, more yoked, more gangster, all that. Uh, you will get it. Anything else? Uh, oh, yeah. I want to leave you with one quote before I wrap up, right? Before I play some fucking torch and blaze off into the sunset here on Sunday evening in Germantown, Tennessee. Quote from Arnold himself that I'm going to keep in mind. And it's going to fuel my efforts because guess what, Arnold? I've got another plan. <laughs> I'm not going to worry so much about whether it works or not, but this one's better than my last one, and I think the odds of it succeeding are pretty good. And I think we're going to see you uh, sooner than you think. Well, let me just say that you're probably not thinking of me, but I'm saying this into the ether. I'm saying this into the fucking internet right now. I'm like letting the universe know my intent, my desire. We're going to be in Arnold's office or his living room or something, interviewing him. We're going to have a great time. Who knows? Maybe we'll have like an hour or two or three. Maybe we'll do a whole fucking docu-cast. Is that the term we use? Pocumentary. Hashtag pocumentary with the man himself to talk about just what drove him out of Austria, what he got out of strength training, uh, who his greatest weightlifting heroes were and all that, and, and how we all can work together to get more kids involved and make the world a little bit better place. And also just have a little bit more fun lifting heavy shit too. So here's a quote I'm leaving with folks. Just shy of an hour. Take it into the next week. Uh, take it into the what is now going to be coined officially by me. Auto Classic Week kicking off now. 
Uh, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. You go through hardships and decide not to surrender. That is strength. Boom. Thank you, Lord. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm not drunk enough to do a good honest sports night. I'm not drunk at all. I have to be very drunk to commit and have enough phlegm in my throat to do that uh, accurate uh, voice. Uh, but anyway, folks, that's all I got, man. It's going to be a good week. A lot of good weeks coming up. I hope you enjoy the shows. Uh, we're working hard to make them really, really good. And we're working hard to make 2015 an amazing year. I hope you stay tuned. I might see you back next week. I might not. It depends on what we got going on. What I have to say. Maybe something will make me rant. And I want to get back on the microphone. Maybe I'll long for the, the days of the Open. And I'll miss <laughs> Chris's hot tips after I wrap up 15.5 this week. Who knows? Who knows? That's the future. We're not going to worry about it. What we are going to worry about right now is the present, which is this kick-ass kick, kick torch song and saying a very proper cheer. See you next time, folks. Peace.